One of our favorite parts of Kava is hearing these powerful stories of overcoming hardship. Our guests have lived through some terrible things and found hope. Lydia Nimbashaho survived the genocide of her people. The Archibald brothers lost their father to murder. Franny Fox underwent a heartbreaking betrayal and divorce. Each person has had to overcome a massive demon in their life, an enemy trying to take them out. But what if this demon had attacked not once, but twice? What if Lydia had to live through two genocides? What if the Archibald brothers had seen both of their parents murder? Jason Barnes, our guest on today's episode, has a story that I truly struggle to believe. It's too tragic and too good to be true. Just when he had barely managed to beat his demon back into the shadows, it returned with a vengeance. It nearly claimed the lives of his two children, but Jason and his wife clung to hope, even when they didn't understand. The doctors couldn't explain it, and you might not believe it. But that's exactly the kind of story we love here on Kava. Buckle your seatbelt and get ready to hear Jason Barnes' incredible story. Welcome back to Kava the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. Well, um, I am here today with Jason Barnes, and so Jason, could you tell me what your first memory is? My first memory, oh my gosh, I mean, uh, thinking about it, kind of off the top of my head, uh, I was born in Texas, so we lived in West Texas when I was a little kid, probably four or five, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. I remember living in a trailer house, and a tornado hit the trailer house. Whoa! Uh, or I, I say hit the trailer house. We were in a tornado. It didn't hit the trailer house. Uh, but being in a trailer house and uh, very high winds, uh, it was rocking really good and very, very scary. So that would uh, definitely have to be my first memory of, of being in the tornado alley and, and experiencing that. <laughs> wow, that is intense. That's scary um so who was in your family of origin my family of origin uh, i've got uh, my dad and, and my mom and then i've got one sibling a sister uh who's about three years than me she had morning you have one sibling a sister and is she older or younger She's about three years younger, actually. Okay. All right. So you're the oldest. Are you the oldest in your family? Yes, I am the oldest. Yes. Uh, 40, 25 years old. Oh. Young, whatever you want to call young. it. You're young. You're uh, young. <laughs> so did you grow up in West Texas? 
Uh, actually, I was born at uh, a little town in northeast Texas called Paris. Oh, my uh, goodness. I know Paris, Texas. Yes. Jason was a Texan through and through, but when he got a little bit older, he and his family moved to a strange land called California. Yeah, and then my dad uh, was a, a bivocational pastor, which meant he pastored the church and he worked a secular job, right. and he was in construction. And uh, back in the uh, mid to late 80s, California had a big, uh, well, technology boom and, and housing boom, so we moved out there. And uh, we moved to the Central uh, Valley in California, a little town called Modesto, about 88 or 89. So I did my junior high and high school years uh, in a little town called Modesto. Okay. And so was that very different from Texas? It was a lot different than Texas. Uh, I remember uh, growing up in, a, in that small town of about, well, about 25,000 people, I think, is what Paris has. It's a dry county, which means they... Uh, don't sell alcohol and, and uh, things like that at the stores. And you go to California and you go to Walmart or the gas stations and uh, there's liquor all over the place and uh, much more fast pace. Right. Uh, and you're, you're opened up to a lot different lifestyles out there. Mm. It's a lot more, you know, growing up in the, in the Bible belt and right. then being thrust into that, uh, uh, non-Bible belt right. uh, life was very interesting to yeah. say the least. Was it hard on you as a junior high student moving in? No, it wasn't. Fortunately, I was an athlete. Okay. So uh, I uh, was able to just kind of step right in there and, and uh, athletic endeavors uh, made it uh, a lot more manual and a lot more uh, easy for me to, to cope and deal with. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was pretty fun. Well, good. Do you have any favorite memories? Oh goodness, um, favorite memories. Gosh, uh, getting to you know being out there. Of course, it's really kind of weird because the the Texas school system was a lot more. Uh, Educated minded, academia minded, if you oh, want to say. Uh-huh. So I go to California, it was a lot, uh, it wasn't quite that way. So I uh, was able to uh, go. I lived about an hour, hour and a half away from San Francisco. So my first year mm-hmm. moving there, I got to uh, go to Alcatraz and San Francisco. And, wow. And uh, I remember going there within my first year and a couple hours, four or five hours away from Disneyland. And, got to go to baseball game because I'm a Cubs fan and the Giants were in San Francisco. So I got to watch the uh, Cubs play quite a bit in San Francisco. So <laughs> very, very good memories. And go to Disneyland with band. I was in band as well. And got to, to march in, uh, marching competitions in, uh, in Disneyland on Main Street, which was really, really, really fun. So yeah, yeah got, some, got some great memories of, of being raised in California. After graduating from high school, Jason got back to Texas as quickly as he could. Wow, you do. You had quite an adventure. Really, <laughs> quite, really, quite really, really, really fun. Yeah. Um, so tell me what, uh, so then you graduated. Did you graduate from high school in California? Graduated from high school in California. Um, and I don't know how, how you want to use this, but I got uh, 
born again the last half of my senior year and okay. um, had actually um, through a series of events um, was going to go to college and play some uh, baseball and that didn't work out so I went in the army and oh, wow. uh, hurt my leg in boot camp and so the army thing did not uh, pan out because mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't do what I needed to do uh, physically with the army so they discharged me and uh, came back to uh, Texas. I was riding a bus from Fort Benny, Georgia, and I hadn't been to Texas since I had left in the late, well, about six, seven years. And so uh, I ended up visiting my granny there in Paris and decided to stay there for the holidays. And then the holidays turned into, I don't have anything to go back to California for, so I just stayed in, in, in Texas. Oh, wow. So, so back in your senior year, of, it was your senior year of high school that you became a Christian. Is that what you're saying? What you said? Yes. So, yes, ma'am. so what led up to that? Well, my mother and father um, were, uh, my dad was a pastor right. uh, growing up and we moved to California. Their marriage fell apart. Mm. Um, so they were, you know, doing their own thing. I lived with my mom. And uh, athletic endeavors worked really well for me. I was uh, an angry, an angry young man, mm. so I excelled really good in football right. because I was just mean, <laughs> mean, mean as a junkyard dog, as the old saying says. And um, I was actually uh, had just got uh, uh, played a football game that night, uh, Friday night, and um, after Friday nights, we would always go out to the vineyards. Uh, their vineyards and almond orchards is really where I was raised. Uh-huh. At. And so we had uh, did our uh, Friday night partying thing. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh-huh. And uh, woke up woke up Saturday morning and was actually driving home. And uh, there was a a group. Uh, they're still very popular. You probably you know a lot of people have probably seen their videos. The Gator Vocal Band, you know, yes. the Gator Homecoming videos, Southern yes. Gospel. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy that used to sing with him called Michael English. Yes. And, uh, he wrote the song, you know, coming up Christmas, it's Christmas time. He, he wrote the song, uh, Mary, Did You Know? Yes. And uh, so he, he actually wrote a song, and I was just flipping through the radio station, actually, and uh, he wrote another song called That's What Heaven Will Be Like. Mm. And uh, so I was driving down the road, and he's singing this song. He's got a beautiful voice, beautiful, beautiful voice. And uh, just talking about heaven and, uh, you know, being raised for a few years in, in a Christian home and all that. I knew knew what he was talking about. So I just actually pulled off the side of the road at the uh, Whitmore exit on Highway 99 in Ceres, California, and uh, dedicated my life on a Saturday uh, morning and wow. uh, went, to church on, went to church on Sunday. Wow. Wow. That is wonderful. So, um, how did that change your life? Oh, it changed my life drastically. I, uh, you know, again, was, was partying, partying hard on, on the weekends. And, uh, I, uh, came to church or school, went to church on that Sunday, went to school that following Monday with the Bible in my hand, telling Mm -hmm. everybody about what Jesus had done for me. So wow. uh, it kind of uh, 
drastically changed my life and it was uh, the last half of my senior year or the first half of my senior year so it was still football season and uh, all the uh, the football field endeavors I was uh, extremely mean and wanted to hurt people right. and uh, after that experience with God on the highway it kind of uh, all that anger just basically left now there were spurts at moments of course but uh, right. It just really basically changed my, my demeanor, and uh, I wasn't as mean anymore. Right, right. Well, that's that's quite a change. So did your, yeah, almost definitely. <laughs> did your peers see the change? They did see the change. Um, you know, there, there's uh, some of them, of course, made fun of because I was mm. uh, I was was an athlete and dated cheerleaders and all that kind of fun stuff. So. Mm. When uh, they used to call me Barney in school, so Barney uh, was carrying a Bible telling them about what Jesus did. Yeah. I mean, in the, the limited knowledge I had, so uh, they definitely noticed, and uh, people people made fun of, and and uh, people appreciated it. People were like, "Oh wow, you know, the people who I would make fun of and was mean to prior to, I was no longer mean to and made fun of." And so they were, I think, they were more thankful for it than anyone. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, so so that's a major change in your life, and then you end up um, at your grandmother's after your army situation. While Jason was living his twenties and figuring out what life was all about, he met someone on a New Year's Eve who would join his journey. So, what happened at your grandmother's house in Paris, well, Texas? Mother, in Paris, Texas, actually, a little town outside of Texas, Reno, about five miles. Okay. Uh, and uh, we, uh, I just lived there and started uh, working at a place and um, started serving in a church there mm. and uh, just serving God and, and uh, reading the Bible. And then, uh, God, that was probably October of one year. And then um, we went to, uh, I don't even know if they still do them anymore, but they used to have on New Year's Eve, they used to have what's called watch night services where they pray the old year out, the New Year's Eve, oh, okay. pray the New Year in, and you just have a church service till, you know, midnight or after, typically start around 10, and, you know, they're singing and preaching, and I saw a young lady in a, in a black dress with black hair and green eyes, and was telling a friend of mine, I said, who is that? And, and uh, it ended up being Catherine, uh, which I was married to for 21, 22 years, and um, we ended up meeting a couple months later and uh, started talking about uh, getting married with them. Well, we got married almost a year to the day of us meeting. Oh, wow. And uh, had some mutual friends that had been trying to set us up, and neither one of us were interested. Then uh, we ended up, I guess by fate, if you want to call it that, right. God's divine plan, we met right. each other and uh, just knew that it was the right thing. And uh, then we... Uh, her parents had been missionaries up in Alaska, so uh, we got we started dating, and I went up to Alaska for a year and, and uh, worked up there, worked with a, a single God church up there, and then we came back to the, the lower 48 and got married and went back up there uh, and lived our first year up in Alaska and uh, running businesses, and I worked for the post office, and then we uh, took a church 
uh, a youth pastor job in a little little town called Spring, Texas, just north of Houston. Yes. yes. And uh, yeah, that got us. That got us of Alaska. And the uh, the same time, her dad uh, knew a gentleman in a little town called Mena, Arkansas, yeah. who was pastoring a church. He was had been diagnosed with cancer, so he ended up. Uh, Asking my dad-in-law, Catherine's dad, to take the church, um, and since he was going to be uh, graduating to heaven, and so mm-hmm. he took the church, and through a series of events, we were kind of jobless and homeless in uh, Houston, and he asked us if we wanted to come, kind of help take care of the church, because he was trying to transition from being 20, 21, 22 years up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh closing business and missions and all that kind of stuff. So we moved to Mena uh, with the intent to just stay there till he got all his affairs in order since we really didn't have anywhere else to go and ended up staying there and, <coughs> excuse me, started having, uh, knocking out babies. Oh, wow. Family, family started growing. Oh, my goodness. So we had Elijah, uh, and then he was uh, about 18 months old, and we had Hosanna. And then 18 months later, we had Zion. <laughs> and um, so there, my, my wow. oldest one wasn't even three, but my youngest one was born, and we had Hosanna in the middle. So wow. needless to say, we had a lot of diapers and wipes. Yes. <laughs> Y'all were busy, busy people. That's uh I cannot imagine um, how busy that was. So, uh, (laughs) not a lot of sleep in those days, huh? There sure was not. Jason and Catherine were thrilled to start a family together. Their children made their house a home. But little did they know that there was a silent enemy hiding in the shadows. Zion was born in October 2000, and the day after Christmas... Hosanna had uh, got diagnosed with uh, a cancer called neuroblastoma. Uh And so we took her to Children's in Little Rock for uh, quite some time. And March the uh, 15th, she uh, got septic. Basically, Uh the chemo wasn't attacking the cancer the way that it was supposed to. So they hit her with a high dose of chemotherapy and she got what's called septic mm-hmm. uh which basically means the infection took over her body and so she was dead for quite some time uh, about 43 45 minutes something like that oh. if i recall correct wow. and um then um you know anoxic brain injury so my daughter mm-hmm. who was walking and talking and singing in church uh the week before christmas is now has a trach and Wow. a total care child, a feeding tube, doesn't walk or talk or do anything. So uh, wow. quite, uh, a, quite a change. Jason and Catherine hardly knew what to do with themselves. Their precious daughter, who hadn't even entered kindergarten, was having to take extreme doses of radiation to fight a disease that was attacking her nervous system and her hormones. Wow. So did that make you... Um, for me as a parent, I would be afraid, um, like, okay, what else bad is going to happen to my kids? Or is, is Zion going to get cancer? You know, like, were you ever in that mindset? Well, yeah, when, when Hosanna got diagnosed, 
Uh, and again, mind you, Zion was just about two months old when uh, huh. he got diagnosed. Elijah was did barely turn three. And so we did ask the doctors. We were like, look, you know, do we need to have our kids um, tested, the other two siblings? And they were like, no, there's no way. It doesn't happen, you know, in, in siblings. Uh, wow. And so the only time it has happened in siblings, it was because the mother was on a specific type of drug. And um, as far as her side of the family or my side of the family, we've always been healthy. Never had any issues. Uh, the issues that, that my family or her family has has been basically, you know, no overweight, no obese and having high blood pressure. But to everyone's disbelief, little Hosanna was not the only one who would battle neuroblastoma. We got her home June the 9th of 2001 and uh, June the 30th, three weeks later, uh, Eliza gets diagnosed with the same type of cancer uh, <sighs> and kind of okay. really threw us in a tailspin. What and, is going you know, through your hope. head like that? I mean, you have this, like, that's too much. Do you feel like and, that? I, I, that's exactly what we thought. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's exactly what we thought. And, you know, the Zion was basically raised in the hospital, and oh, her dad and I would uh, come up during the week, and then we would drive home Saturday nights and go handle church services. I did prison ministry mm-hmm. every Sunday wow. during that time. And so we would take Elijah, he and I would take Elijah to, uh, to Mina from Little Rock, and we'd preach on Sunday and do the church thing, and then we would uh, come back either Sunday night or Monday morning, Sunday night after church or Monday morning after we got some rest and give the girls a break for the for being there the weekend. And sometimes they came home, sometimes we just stayed up there and uh, had a very good support system. Jason and his wife coped as well as they could, but dealing with something so impossible and so devastating left them with a hard decision to make. Jason and Catherine believed in God. Did they believe that he would get them through this? Uh, I will say this, you know, when Hosanna got diagnosed with cancer, we, uh, I was a mailman, and um, I was sitting there one day, you know, uh, people, people kind of put, it's going to sound kind of sacrilegious, but they put God up on this pedestal, and he is on the pedestal. I'm not saying that at all, but they, they think they can't have a conversation with him like, you know, you and I are talking. You know, that's right. basically all prayer. Prayer is just communication. So I was sitting in my mail truck one day and, and just kind of upset and, and kind of questioning God. and saying, God, this ain't fair. Right. This is too much, like you said. Um, what the uh, There's an old movie years ago that came out that gods must be crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, God, you know, uh, Mother Teresa said, uh, you know, I know he said he wouldn't put more on us than we could bear, but I just wish he wouldn't trust me so much. That's right. not where we were at, right. you know. And uh, I was just kind of talking to God and complaining to him. And the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Jason, does your situation change who I am? Wow. You know, and, uh, of course, I had to say, no, sir, it doesn't. And yeah. he said, you keep preaching faith, keep preaching healing, and, and watch me. Uh do what I said I would do. And so that I can honestly say has been the only time, you know, and that was prior to Elijah uh, getting diagnosed. Oh, wow. and, uh, so that was kind of my, uh, 
eureka moment, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just handled business the way we were supposed to. And then um, Jose, I mean, there's a whole lot of whole lot of stories we could tell. Uh, about the time that Hosanna was there and, and uh, basically the uh, the doctors we would we would have Bible verses all mm-hmm. over the uh, the room and we would speak healing to her and you know, the Bible says in Proverbs that the, the word of God is health to our flesh mm-hmm. and uh, so we would just speak the word and always have uh, worship music playing in the mm-hmm. room and a lot of times you know living on a cancer wing, Mm-hmm. Especially pediatric cancer, pediatric cancer. There's a lot of death that goes right. on, right. Um, and you know the doctors a lot of times would come in and they would just collapse in one of the chairs and just sigh big sigh relief. And and uh, after about two or three times of that happening, we uh, asked one of the doctors, "They're like, well, why do y'all keep coming in and doing that?" And they said, "There's such a peaceful atmosphere right. in this room. This room is is just." I, I can get away from them when I come to your room. And so we, uh, when Elijah got diagnosed with cancer, we were sitting in the Neutropenic playroom and um, it just kind of surreal, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, uh, really numb. Yeah. Uh, just kind of like, are we really doing this again? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, he, he actually had a, a very bad diagnosis. You know, most cancers are. Uh, set in stages, you know, right. one one being the lowest, and you know, three, four, five, whatever being the highest. Well, neuroblastoma is uh, stage one through four, and four being the worst. Right. Um, Hosanna, Hosanna got diagnosed as stage three, and then Elijah, he was diagnosed as stage four. Oh my goodness! And um, Elijah actually. Um, they told us at the time that he got diagnosed, he was over 90% saturated with cancer. Um, he had a less than, uh, actually about an 8% chance of living. They said if we uh, did not want to treat him medically, that uh, they would send us home on hospice because he's going to die anyway. Jason and Catherine found themselves needing to ask God for a miracle. They realized that their lives would either be defined by a haunting tragedy or an undeniable act of God. We've talked with previous guests who've lost a child or fought debilitating disease. Jason and Catherine were facing the fact that they might experience both. How did this cancer infect two of their children? Would it infect more members of their family? These young parents had to somehow prepare themselves to see two of their children slowly die. Those were the predictions the doctors were giving them. But they also wanted to have faith that God would come through. To hear the rest of Jason Barnes' story, join us for next week's episode of Kaval the Podcast. Thanks again for listening to Kaval the Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures and podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kava the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavapodcast.com. 
That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.